2: Probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and today we're joined by Sharma. Hello. How you doing?
1: Pete Replacement, again.
2: Pete Replacement. Yes, we're in Kyoto (laughs) this week, so it's been a little bit tricky, guys. First off, an apology. Uh, This is a few days late this episode, and that is because I've been running a bar into the ground this week uh, in the gritty, wonderful streets of Gion, Kyoto. Beautiful place, right?
1: Yeah, really nice. We're staying right in the center of Gion. I've never stayed there before. I've kind of wandered through it mm. a couple times. Um, but getting a hotel there is the way to go, really. It's so beautiful.
2: It is, yeah. And it's kind of the historic quarter of Kyoto. I mean, like Kyoto is one big historic quarter, to be fair. But, like, Gion is the place, it's the nightlife district, where you're most likely to spot geisha and Michael, We
1: saw a few, didn't we?
2: We did see Last a few, night. yeah. Although it's kind of few and far between. We noticed, I was, I was walking down the street in Gion and uh, looked up into a restaurant window on the second floor and I saw four or five people clapping hands, having fun. <laughs> and uh, at the centre of the table was a Michael with a kind of stark, pale skin. Um, yeah, really kind of cool thing. How and, can you
1: tell the difference between a Michael and a geisha? I always forget the difference. Like, I know what the difference is, but visually...
2: Uh well, you can't really. <laughs> Mike,
1: I know Maiko used their own hair, whereas Geisha wear the wig, yeah, the fancy and, wig.
2: and Geisha are, are kind of adorned with more premium kimonos. Right, right?
1: that makes sense. Yeah. But
2: the bar's been pretty good. Um, we've just wrapped it up, actually. And um, I was going to do a live stream at one point and stream it, but it was pretty hard running a bar, making a video, and trying to think about doing a live stream at the same time. So unfortunately, while there's no live stream, I think the video is going to be pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, it should be fun was the experience fun
2: did was, you enjoy it i did yeah we so the bar's really nice it's on the second story of this wonderful restaurant um, i think i don't know if it's a michelin star restaurant but it's a very good restaurant serving kaiseki kaiseki kind of kyoto cuisine mm. and uh, they lent us the second floor which was sadly shut during covid and uh, let us basically take it over for four days. And it was a really beautiful bar built by It was by really this, fancy. It was really fancy. A wonderful architect made it. He let us come in and give it sort of an Abroad Japan vibe, which basically meant I got a sack and stuffed loads of stuff in it from the Abroad Japan studio, brought it down on the bullet train and just chucked it all over the bar, whether that's neon lights or the Maneki Neko Lucky Cat or photos of, you know, too much volcano and journey across Japan. So, yeah, it was kind of nice. It, had a, it was a contemporary Kyoto bar, with a horrible abroad in Japan vibe going on, <laughs> I
1: was surprised by how nicely it looked. Actually, mm. I didn't see it until the second day, when I showed up and you had already mm. decorated it. It looked really good. It really reminded me of your studio, but yeah, in a really yeah. fancy environment.
2: Well, I think in an ideal world, I kind of I like the idea of having people come to the abroad in Japan studio, yes. but there's there's a lot of reasons why that can't happen at <laughs> yeah. the moment. Um, But, you know, maybe when we move to Tokyo it could happen. Mm. But it was a test run for that, and I just want to do something a bit more fun. And I like the idea of um, meeting more viewers of Abroad in Japan. Like the last few months, of course, we've had the uh, Halloween party in Tokyo. We had the event in London. Now we've had this in Kyoto. It's been really nice meeting everyone. Um, And so the lucky listeners that actually turned up, I hope you had fun and didn't get salmonella food poisoning. From Natsuki's dodgy snacks, and Natsuki also put on a good show, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he was really good. He showed up in a kimono.
2: He did, yeah. I was
1: really surprised. He apparently he went and rented a kimono just for the event. He looked great.
2: No expense spared by Natsuki. <laughs> um, I, I wore a kimono as well on the um, second or Where's third my night. Kimono? No kimono for you. <laughs> I <laughs> did you see my kimono? You did, see did. It. Yeah. 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 So uh, the day Charlotte arrived was uh, the second or third night that we were running the bar, and uh, the owner of the bar hooked us up with like the best kimono guy i don't even know what the title he is he
1: must be the, like the top kimono yeah. dresser <laughs> kimono dresser
2: k- kimono expert man i don't know but he he knows his kimonos he does like the emperor's kimonos and uh we he he got mine fitted we went there and did it and um in a really nice house in 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 east kyoto and yeah. um on the drive to the bar after the fitting i was like how much how much is this kimono it's like 3 4000 dollars right and he was like, this kimono costs more than the very Aldi A6 we're driving in now. <laughs> it's and like I was 30 like, grand. Yeah, something. it's like 30, 40 thousand dollars. And I was like, what the actual fuck? And I was really like on edge the entire time that I was going to spill whiskey or sucker down it. And I did warn him. I was like,
1: Miraculously, you didn't ruin I, it. I,
2: I didn't ruin no. it. And I didn't spill anything down it. But he was like, yeah, it's fine. We can always patch it up. But there was one point in the evening where I was shaking someone's hand over the bar. Oh, God. And there was a, a candle. <laughs> and I looked down. My arm started feeling really hot. And I was like, oh, and uh, yeah, luckily I don't think we, we burnt the kimono oh my off, God. but that would have been, Can you,
1: imagine? <laughs> you can,
2: you can stitch up a hole, you can clear out a stain, but can you repair a flame grilled kimono? <laughs> I suspect the answer is no. But uh, what did you like about running the bar?
1: Well, I liked how it was such a small group of people. Mm. There were only eight people up at the bar. and We had a chance to talk to each person there. I think, hopefully. We tried our best. And it was just a lot nicer than a really huge event where you feel like you've missed talking to people. Mm.
2: Yeah, so we had like a group of eight come in uh, and then they would sort of rotate. And then the next date would come in, the next date would come in. I think all in all, we had 100 people over four days. So yeah, really good fun. Will I do it again? Not, no. Why? Nah. Why not? I think it was just really tiring because it, you know, it's it really cool talking to everyone. But yeah. because... I'm the sort of person that doesn't want to miss speaking to a single person. Mm. And I, you know, I went down and talked to every single person. I'm pouring their drinks. I'm trying to chat to everyone. It was really tiring and uh, hard work. And by the end of the four days, and also uh, as part of being like, you know, I wanted to have like a laid back fun atmosphere. I drank too.
0: Uh, I had <laughs> you to drink. drank a lot. There was no
2: other choice. Yeah. I had to drink all the sake. Um, so we had like three varieties of sake per group. Yeah. And I would drink every... Four times a night, Yeah, so I'd, right? I'd drink three shots, three <laughs> times a night. So that's like, I don't know, it's nine times, nine different drinks At I was least. having. At least. And though, even though I wasn't really drunk by the end of the night, I was kind of like a bit buzzed. Yeah. And then the next day I was mildly hungover. And then, and then that I'd start just again.
1: snowballed. <laughs> snowballed, yeah. Throughout the rest of the week.
2: So I'm feeling pretty, pretty rough right now. It to was be nice
1: like. sake though. It was really nice quality. I've never had Kyoto Nihonshu mm, before, mm. so that was cool. Um, I I found my new favorite drink. I don't drink much, but I really... (laughs) (laughs) I sound like an alcoholic. But I really like this... um, Was it no Umeshu? That was aged in a whiskey barrel. Oh,
2: yeah. That was pretty good. That was so
1: good. I've never seen it before. It must be pretty rare. Yeah,
2: it's quite strong, isn't it? The plum wine. So they put the plum wine in the whiskey barrel. It definitely gets the smoky undertones of whiskey Mm. bleed through into it. Mm. Um, That
1: was very Centauri.
2: Yeah, Not that's pretty sponsored. good. Not sponsored. Um, that was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, good. Yeah, but I don't want to drink soccer for a while now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good fun. And uh, hopefully, guys, the video will uh, will demonstrate that. Yeah. I don't envy the guy who's going to edit that, Dave, the editor.
1: <laughs> good luck, Dave.
2: More and more drunkenness as, as the night goes on. But it should be a good video. Check it out soon, guys. We've got a story from Jeremy this week. He begins, Hello, Chris and Pete. Or Sharla now. Uh, my name is Jeremy and I'm currently working in Hong Kong, but I'm originally from Augsburg, uh, Germany. Uh, during my first visit to Japan in 2017, I visited Fuji-Q Highland Amusement Park in Yamanashi. While wandering around through the park at the end of the day, shortly before closing hour, to take some pictures, I came across a group of young Japanese adults, some girls and guys, probably in their early 20s. They were standing around a small statue, and upon closer inspection, I could see that one of the guys had his pants down and his dick resting on the statue's hand oh while well, one God. of the girls was taking pictures of it with the rest of the group laughing well i guess this podcast episode is going to need the explicit warning <laughs> uh, after noticing me they just continued laughing and smiled at me i continued on my way and promised myself to never touch a public statue ever again did the young generation in Japan lose a bit of its shame? Or do you think that even Natsuki and Ryotaro were once as naughty as those young adults? Keep up the great work and congratulations on the engagement, guys. Uh, best greetings from Jeremy in Hong Kong. That's fucked. <laughs> That's fucking horrible.
1: Uh, thanks for the congratulations, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, a, what a horrible story.
2: Congratulations weren't horrible. It was the uh, a bit before that. What, uh, what if anyone's ever done that with Hachiko at Shibuya?
1: Oh, 100%. No. Oh. 100%. When yeah. I taught English my the boys in my classes were just ridiculous they always had their clothes off they were always doing something really stupid and inappropriate this was junior high school kids though Mm. so younger than the ones in the story but i honestly i feel like yeah Natsuki and Yotaro were probably exactly the same (laughs) it's just uh, boys young boys in Japan seem to act like this that's
2: pretty pretty messed up though i don't even know if they would stoop to that level well, maybe no. maybe <laughs> bit weird. But speaking of boys, uh, <laughs> we got a weird story this week involving what might be a boy at sea, like Smooth. a a sea a boy, boy, or a a boy, boy, a boy, a boy in the sea, right? <laughs> um, really weird story. I don't even know if it's worth mentioning. it. Charlotte thought it wasn't worth mentioning. Well,
1: uh, just the fact that everybody is so excited about. This stupid cheer. event is kind of worth mentioning. It, cause I don't, I don't understand.
2: Well, you might recall uh, a few weeks ago, the US shot down the spy balloon in uh, in America. The uh, the Alaska, balloon was it. Um, well, they shot down like three or four things back to back. And while well, the first one was a Chinese spy balloon, although the Chinese claim it was a weather balloon, what a load of bollocks. <laughs> uh, the other, they did shoot down three or four more other objects um, that. Were, there was a lot of speculation, and uh, the UFO community got very excited. They were like, <laughs> aliens, rah! Oh, and God. then America, you know, the US government was like, actually, it was probably just research balloons from various yeah. organisations. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crap up there in the air floating around. And,
1: uh,
2: and at the same time, uh, on a Japanese beach down in uh, Shizuoka, near right. the city of Hamamatsu, a sphere appeared... On the beach.
1: A large iron ball a is large what they're iron calling ball. it.
2: It was very mysterious. And it baffled the locals and took the nation by storm. <laughs> it was a sphere. It's a
1: slow news day in Japan. Well, clearly,
2: the sphere measured 1.5 meters in diameter. And uh, it washed up on Enshu Beach in Hamamatsu, uh, just on the Pacific coast. And uh, at first, people thought it was a stray mine, right? Um, but then they used an x-ray and they found that the interior was hollow.
1: So how thick? How heavy was this thing? It says it's made from iron, but it's hollow. So it's not that heavy.
2: I don't think they got that far with their investigation. I'm assuming
1: it can't be a buoy because it's not going to float if it's iron, Mm. right?
2: Well, my initial thoughts when I saw it was it looked like a wrecking ball because there's like an object... But that
1: would be solid. Something
2: protruding from it. Yeah, but then a wrecking ball would be solid, right? Um, But there were sort of two handles on the sphere's surface indicating it could be hooked onto something. um, that It's maybe just a mooring buoy. But police inspected the ball. I think they had like a... Explosive team go and examine it as well, make sure <laughs> it wasn't a mine, of yeah, course. Well, smart or some sort of espionage by North Korea or China.
1: Someone inside the inside well, the
2: ball. North Korea have done some pretty ropey things in the past. Right. You might recall, um, I think it was in the eighties, they uh, they kidnapped some kids from a beach in Niigata, yes, took them back to North Korea, I've heard this story, and forced them to teach Japanese. They
1: were on that island, Sado Island.
2: They did they did that there too. Yeah,
1: oh that also happened there.
2: Not good. But I don't don't think they do that anymore. But it created a sense of terror on the west coast of Japan after this happened, I think, that don't let your kids walk along the beach. Yeah. Maybe that's why, to this day, the west coast of Japan is sort of just empty. Whatever I'm there. Do you think? The beaches? Hopefully I won't get kidnapped and fucking dragged off to Pyongyang. It's probably
1: the dangerous things in the ocean. That too.
2: Yeah, jellyfish
1: and the sharks.
2: But police began inspecting the bull, which was a sort of orange-brown colour. Uh, and after a local woman spotted it resting on the sand, just meters from the shore, she called the police. In the end of the day, they dragged it off and um, nobody knows what it is now. So Can they do,
1: like, a reverse image search on Google or something and find <laughs> something similar? There the may, somebody must option. have taken, like, a picture of one of these things. You at least figure out what country it's from.
2: I think, I mean, this is a, it's a really unremarkable story, but when you look at the photos, it is quite hilarious, these... Uh, Japanese police just on the beach in sort of awe at this, the... this rusty sphere that's definitely just it's so something weird mediocre. because there's
1: nothing like intimidating about it. I just don't understand why everyone's making such a big deal. Like, if it was some weird alien esque object, I would understand the hype, but it's just like a ball made from iron.
2: I think it was just sort of the whole, the whole, um, balloon really you situation. think it's related to that i think it's like the balloon yeah. situation in america got everyone excited right. for mysterious round balloon-esque objects God. and this came at the exact moment that people were like what is this what's going on there's so much uncertainty mm-hmm. but uh, there you go i think it's nothing more than just a boy or a wrecking ball either way really boring <laughs> really.
1: <laughs> moving on
2: but go look at the go look at the photos because they are hilarious <laughs> we'll be back in just a moment guys for your stories comments and questions in the fax machine
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
1: Now we're back with the facts
2: machine. What have we got this week from our listeners, Sharla, I'll let you take over. Read away.
1: Uh, I was recently watching one of Sharla's vlogs, ooh, it's one for me, in which she spoke about her thyroid issues and people commenting on her weight as a result. My question is, how are the beauty standards in Japan, and are they ridiculous for men and women alike? And how is Japan with things like dyed hair? Uh, All right, a few questions in there. Um, Beauty standards in Japan are definitely more uh, strict, is that the word, for women? Mm, Women uh, are... I feel like they're really forced to be extremely skinny in Japan. I think also
2: the, the makeup situation, that's why masks are so popular here, right, for women makeup. often, to conceal their faces if they're not, oh, if you they're not, wearing, not wearing makeup. makeup. Yeah. I was watching, uh, we're in Kyoto at the moment still, and I was watching a couple take photos on this bridge going oh, across yeah. the river, Kamagawa. And uh, yeah, this guy was taking these really nice photos of this girl and she had a face mask on. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? But I remember like... Uh, Yeah, it's not uncommon for girls to just not put on makeup and wear a mask. And wear a mask to
1: like hide that. Yeah, I think women are expected to look their very best in Mm, public. Makeup, mm. hair, um, be as skinny as possible. That's kind of the Japanese ideal. I wouldn't say that they hold men to those same standards at all. (laughs) No. No. Mm, yeah, not at all. Really, they they might make comments like, "Oh, you've gained weight," to a guy, but it, it's a lot less common.
2: They do. Speaking from my experience.
1: Well, it's a different <laughs> story for you, I think. What? Because you're a foreigner, you're bigger than a Japanese person in general.
2: Larger than life, do I say? But
1: I think I don't think I've ever seen a Japanese guy get like bullied or commented mm. on for his weight in my whole time here. Right, right, right. And lots of them are a lot chubbier than the women are so yeah Mm -hmm. i would say the standards are definitely different between men and women um as for things like dyed hair lots of people dye their hair here Mm. um girls and guys it's often not allowed in lots of jobs if you work in a more like um professional job i don't know something like maybe at a train station or something government related, they might require you to have your natural black hair Mm -mm. or uh, make sure if you're coloring it, it has to be a shade of black or (laughs) slightly lighter Mm. black. But other than that, yeah, lots of people dye their hair here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know it's forbidden at schools. Students aren't allowed to do it at all.
1: No, not at all. Oh, and I've heard of stories of, like, half children.
2: Having brown hair and having yeah, to dye it black. and having to yeah. dye it
1: black when it's their natural hair colour. Ridiculous. Let's
2: call that out for what it is. Pretty shit. Shitty behaviour by school. Uh, got a question here from... Megan or Megan, uh, good day Chris and Pete, Chris and Charlotte. In 2005, <laughs> 20, I've created a new time scale. That's what happened when you drink for four days. Uh, in 2005, we hosted a Japanese student in our home for two weeks and it was a great experience. I'm going to Japan this year and thought to myself, it'll be nice to get back in touch and maybe organise to meet again. Would finding her on social media and sending a message after all this time be considered odd? Or rude. Uh, thank you for any insight you can give. Uh, Megan from Brisbane, Australia. I don't think it would be odd or rude at all. I think it would be very difficult, though, to find them on social media. Mm, um, even
1: I, if you know their full name, lots yeah, I, of people have the same name here.
2: Yeah, the same Khanji. Like, I don't think. If, if you could do it, that would be quite yeah. impressive. But it's not it's not odd or rude, is it? No, yeah.
1: not at all. Oh, I think cool. they would be thrilled to hear from you. Absolutely. I've done this before. I, I hosted a bunch of Japanese students when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, 10, 15 years down the line, I found a couple of them just going through my old emails and sending them an email to their old address. Mm. And it reached a few of them and they were thrilled to oh, hear wow. from me. So no, I think you should definitely try and, and look for her if you can. Find her, whatever
2: the cost. We got one here from uh, Jonathan who says, "Hello, Chris and Charlotte. My fi- wife, my wife and I are both graduating this year, and to celebrate, we've booked flights to Japan for two weeks in October. But one thing we have noticed is that many of the hotels and car rentals we want to book are not available from September onwards. So if we miss the boat, or we'll do Japanese hotels typically only allow guests to book within a certain number of months beforehand?" Love the podcast, Jonathan. Um, I think you're probably just booking too far ahead. I can't, think?
1: I've never tried to book that far ahead. I have, I have
2: tried, and I do think there is uh, an issue in some hotels, yeah. yeah. Flights, did you say flights, though? No. Oh, car, rental. car rentals. Car Yeah, I, I don't think, I think it's just booking too far ahead. Yeah. Um, that's six Trying months ahead, months. right? Six months ahead is quite far ahead, and um, even though people in Japan do typically try and reserve things where possible, because they like they don't like uncertainty, I still think, it's probably just too far ahead. Yeah, try, right?
1: try when there's like three or four months to go, maybe. There's no reason that hotels and car rentals would be booked up for September, October yeah, already. Absolutely. So don't worry about that. Uh, we've got a few more questions here. Do you want to take over this one? Which one, the top one? The top one. Hey, clubby Chris. <laughs> Charlotte mentioned Chris and her will be moving to Tokyo. What prompted the move? What will happen to the Abroad in Japan studio? The top asked question about us <laughs> moving to Tokyo. And more importantly, will you set it up in Tokyo and sell tickets to visit the Abroad in Japan VIP behind the scenes studio back lot tour? Good luck with the wedding, Justin from Vancouver.
2: That's uh I've had that question so much. So I
1: have I. It's not even it, my
2: bloody studio. Had it at the bar, had it on the live stream the other day. Um, you know, I get a lot of people are worried about it, but uh, I've spoken to the company that built the studio mm. and we are going to disassemble it. <laughs> quite a lot of money, quite a big expense, unfortunately. Disassemble it, um, rebuild it make sure everything's good i think they're going to sort of go over it and make sure everything is is nice and working um
1: yeah that's good because a couple of things did kind of break down didn't they the lights a couple of the lights you No, know, the
2: lights were working actually the
1: we had issues with the maneki neko light
2: yeah the maneki neko uh lucky cat neon light probably my favorite light actually at yeah the back. i love that one yeah when it's cold it just doesn't oh eliminate. that was just the temperature yeah well we so. could bring that up with them Just got to blow heat on it and hold it. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking of extending it as well and maybe having some sort of game arcade area.
1: Yeah, it's a good opportunity to do that. So yeah, they're going to dismantle it, Mm. pop it in a truck, bring it down to Tokyo. Um, The biggest issue will be finding a new studio space in Tokyo because it's pricey.
2: It's very pricey, like uh, it's probably going to be two times minimum, two or three times what it costs now to Damn. have the studio space yeah. in Sendai. Um, so it's a little bit daunting, but this is kind of like, for me, it's an all or nothing going all in moment, right? I don't know when I'm going to have an excuse to build a studio like this ever again. Yeah, while Broad in Japan is still relatively successful, before it inevitably goes downhill, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, and everyone does TikTok and YouTube shorts. Well, this is my last battle cry. Before I give up on YouTube, I, uh, I want to make sure it's, it's as good as it can be and it lives up to everything I want from it. Yeah, yeah I'm going to I'm going to basically get the company to try and find ways to make it maybe twice as big. Yeah. And extend maybe the alleyway. And we should make...
1: ask people what they'd like to see in it. That could get be cool. some ideas yeah, I mean, from viewers. What should we add to it?
2: If you guys have any ideas on what we could do all is at this point i think something to do with the video games arcade something to do with the side cyber, more cyberpunky stuff mm. i don't know I, I, I don't know
1: i think the biggest thing you should change is find a way to add space so that you can have a different filming position yeah because at the moment the back alley can't really be used for That's filming true. because it's so narrow the... and, and it sucks because it looks so cool but you don't really get to use it much
2: agreed yeah the back alley's definitely got room for improvement mm. and extending it so yeah i'm really excited about that um In terms of moving in Tokyo, um, I'm kind of excited about it because you've got friends nearby. Most of our friends live in Tokyo and uh, it's going to open up a lot of doors. And basically, it's going to fucking mean we don't have to get on the Shinkansen every five minutes.
1: Yeah, like I love the Shinkansen, but we use so much time commuting to Tokyo and back, waiting for the trains, Mm. sitting on the trains. It will save us so many hours. Out of each month that we could be doing other things with, so Mm-mm. I'm yeah I'm excited for that for sure because I always feel like there's not enough time in the day to do everything I want to do. So sure, sure. any extra time will be much appreciated.
2: As for tickets to the Abroad Japan VIP behind the scenes studio backlot tour, it's a bit risky, isn't it? Because once I've pe- like, if my location is public, then. That could present some issues.
1: The thing is, you use your studio as your office. It's yeah. not just a studio space. You're there working and stuff. We'd so. have to have,
2: like, mega security and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I, I think what I would do, though, is years down the line, if I'm closing that studio, then I would do, like, tours for, like, for a month. For sure, yeah. For a yeah, couple of months or idea. something. I don't know. It could be good. Yeah. Could make the money back from spending <laughs> on the studio. Bloody expensive. we got one here from Max from Baltimore. He says... Uh, Dear Chris and Charlotte, my friends and I are finally visiting Japan and we'll be spending time in Tokyo and Shinjuku and Osaka, Kyoto and Hiroshima. While we have plenty of plans for sightseeing at the usual tourist hotspots, what's one thing we need to do in each and every city? Congratulations to you and Charlotte, Max from Baltimore. I guess I'll give one recommendation per place. And so, well, Charlotte, do you want to start or shall I?
1: Uh, Tokyo would be Nakano Broadway, my favorite oh, yeah. place to chill out and um, just look at cool retro goods.
2: I haven't been there since Pete Dawson was last I haven't though. been there in ages. It's really cool. Nakano Broadway, it's, um, these like, in many ways that inspired the Born Japan studio. They've got these cavernous mm. little streets and it's all like in this big mall area kind of thing. It's dark, dingy mall. And there's lots of like little tiny alleyways packed full of shops selling cool items from like the 70s and the 80s. That's pretty cool. Um, as for me, fuck, I don't know. Oh, I hate doing these bloody questions. I'll <laughs> oh, go to Yokohama. Go there. I do like Yokohama. Nobody goes there anymore. No, go to Yokohama. Yokohama Chinatown. I really like going there. The street food is next level. And um, there's no equivalent Chinatown.
1: I've never been.
2: In Tokyo itself. Really? Never. I don't have to go. No. It's really good. They've. Like, um, like dumplings, you can just eat them walking down the street. Really bland, really damn good. As for Osaka, it's, um, you know, a bit of a cliche, but like the Namba, Dotonbori Bridge area. Mm. If I have to go and do a nighttime shoot with my camera spontaneously, then uh, that's going to be where I go.
1: Yeah, I would say the same. Honestly, just um, going out at nighttime in Osaka, taking photos, walking the streets, eating as much food as you can because Osaka has some of the best food in Japan. Mm. That should be your goal for Osaka. Of Japan. Yeah.
2: As for Kyoto, um, I'd say where we've spent the last few days, Gion. Gion's really yeah. nice. Um, I, I, every year my love for Kyoto grows a little bit more as I discover somewhere new, and uh, yeah, I've re- even though it's been really busy and touristy and whatnot. It's still been an amazing trip this last week here. And I've discovered bits of Gion that I'd never seen before. Just stumbling around at night, often drunk uh, after the bar and just uncovering these little shrines that tuck down the side of buildings, yeah. little alleyways with restaurants that nobody can possibly find. The I restaurants love that.
1: are amazing. I would recommend getting a kaiseki dinner yeah. in Kyoto. There are so many kaiseki restaurants here, which is like um, a course menu really fancy Japanese foods. It can be quite pricey. I think they start at about 10,000 yen, which is about $80 American or so. Yeah, but yeah. I was um, it's get... a great experience. Oh, there's my phone.
2: I was going to get the name of the place we went to yesterday. Uh, well, you give a suggestion for Hiroshima? Hiroshima. I'll look it up.
1: Ah, uh, Hiroshima. Hiroshima, I've only been to twice. The first trip was really rushed. And I went to <coughs> Itsukushima Shrine which is extremely famous, but for good reason. It's on a little island called Miyajima, Mm. and it's just gorgeous. There's a deer there, a beautiful shrine to look at. If you go during sakura season, it's amazing. Um, So, yeah, definitely Itsukushima shrine. Mm.
2: And the restaurant in uh, Gion that we went to, and actually where the bar was on the second floor, is called Gion Yata, Y-A-T-A, Gion Yata. Great staff, great food. Yeah, wonderful staff, Kaiseki Restaurant, can't recommend it enough. Like, really beautiful. It's quite intimidating going down Guillaume uh, because you can't see inside any of the restaurants no. or shops, right, because of these old sort of townhouses. So always get a res- uh, reservation in advance. There was a, When I was in there, with uh, when Charlotte and I went in there last night for dinner, there was a, a British couple next to us, actually, from Liverpool. And uh, they didn't know any Japanese. And I was quite impressed that yeah. they just sort of booked this restaurant down this road in, in uh, yeah. Gion and Yeah, we asked gone them how they
1: found it and they just Googled Kaiseki. Yeah. This is what they found. I they think. got lucky because the guy at the bar uh, behind the counter speaks a bit of English.
2: And not only that, but he was serving Dr. Jelly water. <laughs> he was. He got a water <laughs> bottle and uh, he'd taken... The Dr. Jelly fridge magnet that I'd given him and stuck it on with salatose to the, <laughs> to the, the bottle, um, to the, the glee of many customers. <laughs> so go there if for not any other reason to see Dr. Jelly being served. I've got one last question. Uh, from Chris. Good name, Chris. Good day, cyclist Chris. Uh, my name's Chris from New Zealand. My wife and I will be travelling to Japan in mid-March for our long-awaited two-month-long honeymoon. A big feature of our trip will be cycling. We'd like to use proper campgrounds. However, most campgrounds seem to require reservations up to 14 days prior, but it'll be impossible to predict well be for any given night. Do you have any experience with booking accommodation like this, or do you think they'll be open to providing space for us on the same day If we roll in. Well, unfortunately, Chris, I'm the one person who's never gone camping in Japan. I don't think, are you sure about this 14-day prior reservation thing? I've never heard that, though.
1: Campgrounds require up to 14 days. No, your sister would be the one to ask on this.
2: Yeah, my sister's currently. I don't
1: have any experience camping either, unfortunately. But
2: then that's an RV. My sister's currently driving around Japan in an RV, uh, but that's not camping. I don't know. I don't think. I've never heard of this problem before.
1: As for rolling up and hoping to get a space on the same day, that's very risky. There are lots of people in Japan. (laughs) Things are usually quite full when you try to get in on same day. Restaurants, hotels, whatever. Um, I would say you'll have to at least give it a couple days in advance uh, notice.
2: My advice, just, yeah, try and book a few days in advance, Chris, and um, hopefully you'll be all right. But, yeah, sure, I can't help you. We've never gone camping, have we?
1: We haven't. Why is that?
2: Who wants to sleep in a tent? I do. Why? Why not? Spiders.
1: Snakes. There bears, are no spiders. If you zip up the tent, the spiders can't get in. What There's if, more spiders in our house. What
2: if the spider has already come in the tent? We'll and bring you Maro. Zip it, and we'll you zip bring up Maro. He will
1: eat the spiders.
2: Uh, can you bring a cat to a campsite? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> say certain. Say certain. <laughs> that will present its own problems, I'm sure. Um, but that is the end of this podcast for now, guys. Uh, Keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to Abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will be on our regular time, which I believe is Sunday. I still don't know after five years. (laughs) When is it? You must listen every week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But for now, guys, have yourself a great few days. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you right back here to do it all over again on the Abroad in Japan podcast. Bye. Charlotte will be back in the next one as well.
0: Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creative Creator Network. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life.